Okay, so in Perak Bays, the first Perak we dealt with Moshe dying, Yeshua taking over, you got to go on, even when life is difficult, you know, Hashem says to, Mo, to Yoshua, Kum, get up, after the Shloshim, you got to go, you got to move on, even though he wasn't, he wasn't Moshe, right, remember we learned that, that that he was in Moshe, had Moshe been alive, Hashem says, I would have given it over to Moshe. But every generation is different, and every situation is different. And the bottom line is that had we had a focus on the Chavetz Chaim was here right now, what we'd know is the Chavetz Chaim would be able to deal with the internet the way we have to deal with it. It's a whole different world. Ah. My two buddies are here. So listen what goes on. This, this Parakshani is absolutely, I find it fascinating. First, I'm going to go through the first Pasuk. I'm going to talk about the first Pasuk, and then I'm going to go over the theory, the whole, the larger picture. Okay? So I'm going to read the first Pasuk. I want to focus on one thought in the first Pasuk. And then we're going to sit back, pull back a little bit, and talk about the larger picture. The second parak talks about Moshe, I mean, Yoshua sending spies into Israel to spy out the land. That's what it's about. Okay? And, as we all know, where does Yoshua send them? Yoshua sends them to Rachav. And Rachav is known as the Zona. Now, there are those people who translate it as the Makolet owner, right? That's, that's what some people translate it. But that's not the typical translation. I will just read to you. I will just read to you what it says in the Sifri. It says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, that Rabbi Yehuda says, Arba Shemo Shogunai Hoyulo, that Rachav had like, Four, I'll read it to you in English, it just goes faster. Rachav was referred to as Rachav Hazona, which has several shameful meanings. That she was a harlot, as the word indicates. That she had relations with citizens from within the city, as well as bandits from outside the city. Okay? Um, that's because it says the house was in the wall of the fortification, and she lived in the fortification. Okay, that she was from Canaan, and there were no wick, more wicked people than Canaan, and that she was from Yericho, and all the residents in Yericho were condemned. So she is like absolutely from the worst of the worst, at least at this point. I mean, it's shocking that this is where, this is where Moshe Yoshua sends the spies. We'll talk about that because remember. She ends up being Yoshua's wife. It's, it's it's unbelievable. If somebody would bring home for those people in Shaduchim, you know, imagine you. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to make any references to anything negative right now. But if someone would bring home, uh, you know, um, uh, a porn star, right? I don't know. I don't know. The Shidduch resume. I'd be impressed. The Shidduch resume, you know? Can you put it on hold for a second?
just for a second. Anyway, you don't know what I'm talking about. Baruch Hashem. So let's just read the first passage because we're going to talk about the first passage first, okay? Vayishach Yeshua bin Nun min Hashitim. Yeshua bin Nun sent from this, the place called Shitim. Shnei Moser Meraglim, twelve Meraglim. Right? I'm sorry, Shnei Moser Meraglim, two, two Meraglim. Then it says Cheresh. Cheresh means silent. And he tells them, Luchu, you should go, or USR, it's Yericho, you should check out the land and Yericho. And they go, it says, Vayelcho Vivo, base Isha Zona. They went to this woman, you know, Ushma Rachov, Vayish Gusham, and she, they slept there. Actually, I made the assumption that Yoshua sent them there, but maybe not. Maybe they did their own investigation that this woman knew all about the land. Could be. Okay. But the word here it says that he he spoke to the spies, Cheresh, the, the silent ones. So the Mephorshim say that they were supposed to act like deaf mutes. That's what Yeshua said. Go into into Jericho and act deaf. Why should you act deaf? Because if people walk around with canes or they can't hear, then people will talk openly in front of them. Right? You don't get nervous. If you, if you don't want anybody to, if you want people to talk in front of you, then the best way to talk and have people talk in front of you is if you have hearing aids, right? So that people think you can't, right? You can't hear anything. That was what he said. Walk around, deaf, and then people will talk openly in front of you. So that triggered in my brain that you learn from here that you have to look at the whole world and you have to be aware. You can't just, Torah is everything. You know, there's a Mishnah in Perkyavos that says, HaMahalech Baderach. If you're walking, I'll first I'll tell it to you by heart the, the regular way. And then the way that the Boston Rebbe told me how to learn it, and Samson Raphael Hurst says the same thing. It says, Hamahalich Baderach, you're going on the way of life. Uh, I'm sorry, you're going on the way, Bishona, and you're learning, right? You're in Yeshiva, you're learning. And you stop learning, and you say, Wow, how beautiful is that, that tree? You know, if somebody's in yeshiva in the shir, and he looks out the window and he sees like a, an apple tree. He starts focusing. Wow, look at that apple tree, right? Or my non near how beautiful is the valley? So the Gemara says, uh, the mission says in Pirkei Elbos, that if you're in the middle of learning and that's what you're doing, you're obligated on your whole neshama because at the end of the day, you're learning Torah and you're looking at fig trees. You're learning Torah and you're looking at bushes, you know, and you become an expert on dingo, the, the, the leaves of the dingo trees, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's not, that's, that's a little interpretation. I think it was the Kutzka Rebbe, but I forgot who it was, so it doesn't matter for the moment. Hamahalich Baderach, you're going on the path of life. Omafsik mi mishnoso, and you think that you're stopping to learn? 
when you say manoi ilon zeh, when you see a beautiful tree, if you think that that's stopping to learn, or manoi near zeh, or how beautiful is that valley, if you think that that is is a is a hefsik in your learning, harizim ischav benafshel, then you you're obligated with your neshama because you don't get the whole picture. Torah is not monolithic. Torah is not just this. Torah is everything. You have to be able to see things. You have to learn that people who are wearing hearing aids, people will talk in front of them, right? Because you have to learn about everything. David HaMelech had a problem. David HaMelech says to Hashem, why did you create spiders? Right? You know the famous Medrash? Does anybody remember the famous Medrash? David HaMelech says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why did you create spiders? And Hashem says it'll happen one time in your life when you'll need a spider. Remember, I got cellulitis maybe from the bite of a spider. You know, so me and spiders are not such good buddies. So the Gemara, so, so it says, what was the story? What happened with David HaMelech? Anybody remember this story from way back when? David HaMelech, okay, David, what happened was, first you have David HaMelech, okay? He's a young kid. And there's this guy, and there's a king, Shaul, popular king, the first king of B'nai Yisrael. And there's this big monster called Goliath, Golios, okay, who is threatening to kill the Jewish people, and nobody knows what to do. David HaMelech goes and kills Goliath. Shaul gets, after this story, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that Shaul did something wrong. He didn't finish killing Amalek. So he starts getting paranoid about David HaMelech. Okay? And he decides he's going to kill David HaMelech. And he runs after David HaMelech to kill him. And one time he came very, very, very close. And David HaMelech ran into the caves. I think it was in Engedi, but I'm not 100% certain. But he ran into a cave. And Shaul was right behind him. A little bit behind him. And a spider came out and made a web in the back of the cave. And when Shaul came to that cave where David HaMelech was, and he would have killed David HaMelech, he saw a spider's web, and the soldiers said to Shaul HaMelech, there's no reason to go in here. There's a web. Obviously, nobody's inside because the web would have been broken, you know? So that web saved David HaMelech's life. You can, you gotta learn from everything. Everything has a purpose. So one day David HaMelech says to Hashem, why did you make crazy people? Mr. Goyim, why did you make, you remember this story? This is unbelievable. I'm gonna tell you the story that's unbelievable. There's somebody, so one day he said, why did you make crazy people? I mean, do you, anybody here enjoy crazy people? No. no, I mean real crazy. No, I'm talking about certifiable people. They're crazy, crazy people. So again, Shaul HaMelech was after David HaMelech. He was running after him. And he finally goes to a place. That he see, he'll know this right away. He'll know this right away. So he gets to a place. He runs away. And there's a person. His name is I'll tell you his name. Ochish. Ochish Melech Gos. 
got. You know what got, got is? That's uh, so it's right in the bitch damage. So there's a king there. He was an enemy of David HaMelech. But David ran there because he had to get out from David HaMelech, from uh, Shaul. He, he had to run away, so he ran there. He gets caught by the, by the soldiers of the king Achish. He gets caught by them. And the, the, and the soldiers feel like they, you know, they got, they, they, they're going to get a real reward for this because the king, this guy Achish, the king of Agos, couldn't stand David HaMelech, wanted to kill David HaMelech, and now all of a sudden they've got him, okay? So he's got to come up with something. So I'm just going to tell you what happens. It is, you could look this up, the whole story is very interesting. It is in Shmuel, okay, it is in Shmuel, Perak, Chaf Aleph, okay, Pasuk Tezayin, Chaf Aleph Tezayin. This guy, Achish, has a wife. The Radak talks about this. He's got a wife that's crazy. Anybody ever meet crazy women? He has a wife that is crazy. But not only is his wife crazy, his daughter is also crazy. Okay? But certifiable. They're certifiable crazy. So, David Amela comes up with this idea. I'll just read you the puzzle. It's, it's crazy. Listen to this. It says over here. Okay. I'll read it in English, it's easier. So, David took this matter to heart and he was really afraid of Achish, the king of God. He's really afraid. So what did he do? He changed his demeanor in their eyes and he feigned madness. He made believe he was a Meshigana. That's what he did. And he scribbled all over the doors. He started writing and he started like talking to himself and everything and dribbling, it says, and he let his saliva drip down his beard. He made himself look like the guy on the subway that nobody wants to go near. That's what he started. If, if something happened and you were on a subway and you were about to die, I mean, they're going to kill you. You pull down, I don't care, you pull down your pants and you pish. Nobody's going to start up with you because you don't want to start up with crazy people, right? You, that's, you just don't do that. So Achish goes over to I'm sorry over to his to his uh, to his buddy to the to the soldiers and he said you see this man is mad what are you bringing what are you bringing him to me and then comes the best line in Hebrew it's such a good line he says I don't have enough crazy people in my life that use that you brought me another nut. So the Radak says that in his house, he heard, David Amel heard the, the mother and the daughter screaming like just crazy. So David started screaming on the outside, like from his jail where they were holding him and dribbling and acting nuts. And Achish said, just get him out of here. This, is, this isn't King David. This is a nut. And David Amel learned from this experience that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a purpose in creating everything. And that even crazy people have a purpose sometimes. You look at the Radak, it's just an interesting thing. You never heard that story about Achish? I don't have enough crazy people in my life that you bring bringing me more nuts.
this sometimes I think about that. You know, I don't have enough. There's not enough. Like in that movie where you know, in um, my cousin Vinny. You guys don't know. I'm a bad influence on you guys. Yeah. Okay. So now, with that in mind, we're going to talk a little bit about the whole spy thing. And I was thinking to myself, why did B'nai Yisrael, why did B'nai Yisrael not want to go into Eretz Yisrael? Why? What was the whole most? I mean, I'm sure there's many, many misfortune that say lots of reasons. But but why do you what, what was the most prevalent when you were in yeshiva when they would tell you why the original Moraglim what caused them not to want to go into Eretz Israel? Do you remember anybody have ideas? It was like Kolel, right? That was basically the basic premise was here you are in in the desert, you're not working, you don't have to deal with enemies, you don't have to deal with Plowing, the money is coming from Shomayim, you're living in Kolel. So why do you want to go from Kolel to Eretz Yisrael where you're going to have to fight the wars with the Palestinians? You're going to have to work. You're going to have to boss. Why do you want to do that? Somebody once told me something. It was one of the, the best lines I've ever heard. We all want to be in Israel right now, right? We all feel bad about it. This guy was a Yorid. You know what a Yorid is? It's somebody that lived in Israel and came to America. He gave me a very, very big ins- insight into our experience versus the Israeli experience. He said to me, I'm jealous of you. I said, why are you jealous? He said, because you're an American Jew. I said, so you shouldn't be jealous of me. So he said, I'm jealous of you. When you go to Eretz Yisrael, you're, you're 7,000 miles away from your boss. You don't have to think about your job. You don't have to deal with your mother-in-law or your parents or anything. You don't have the IRS to contend with. I mean, maybe you will when you get back, but you don't have it then. There's no army. You go to an ATM and money just miraculously comes out. If you're in a spiritual mood, you go to Kever Rachel, Pela, you go saying Tehillim, if you're not in a spiritual mood, then you go, you know, hang gliding or you go shooting or whatever in the mood that day. That's, he said, you have, Israel for you is a religious Disney, is a Jewish Disneyland. And he said, but I, when I think of Israel, I think of army obligations, I think of my boss, I think of overdraft checks and not having any money, and I think of the IRS, the Mechas, and I think of, of all the problems, and I, have, and, and I don't see it the same way you have. So, and it was interesting insight, because we want to be there, but the truth is that when we go, we look at it as a Jewish Disneyland, basically, in, in a certain way. So most of them, at least the version that I always learned was that in the Midbar, the Yidden had it in that sense. They had the ability to learn and get close to God, and they didn't want the stresses. So now think about what's going on here. I just found it to be so fascinating. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, to, so you're going to go into Israel, right? And where, do, where are we going to start from? We're going to go into Jericho. And who are you going to stay by? You're going to stay by Rachav. 
the woman who everybody looks, I mean, if you want to talk about the antithesis, at least from the outside, the antithesis of what you would think spirituality would be, it would be Rachav. But it's not true because she was at Sadegis. Because she was at Sadegis. And when and that's I think part of of our problem where we think when we think about Shaduchim, when we think about holiness, I mean think about it. Rabbi Akiva is the grandchild of converts, right? Who's greater than Rabbi Akiva? It's unbelievable. So they go to Rachov. They go to Rachov. Because we have to see behind, be bigger than this. You want to go into Eretz Yisrael? And think about it. Our leader, Yoshua, marries Rachov. Right? Because we have to see beyond this. We can't be colorblind. We can't fall into the trap that the person had done something wrong. She's a new person. She's a new... It's not like a, she's not even a Balash Chuba. She's a, a Gaoris is like a new, entirely a, a newborn individual, you know? And I think that there's a message over here because she keeps on saying, she. Is that me? I don't know if this was. She keeps on saying in the Pup Sukkim that everybody in the world heard about the miracles, everybody knows about the miracles. And I think it was a message to tell the Jewish people that everybody knows that you're the special people. Everybody knows that. And I know that. So be strong about it. You know? So a few psukim inside. Just want to show you a few psukim. Okay. So if you go to Pasuk, oh, you don't have it inside. Pasuk Gimel. Yeah. It says over here, okay. When you, also when you think about when when you think about her, she actually risked her life to save these two spies. No different than when you had a person in Nazi Germany that was willing to save Jewish people because of who they were. So it says over here when she it says that Rachel, this is a medrash was 10 years old when the Jews left Egypt. Okay? She's 10 years old when they left Egypt. During the 40 years that the Jews were in the desert, in the desert, she acted immorally, and she converted when she was 50 years old. Okay? 10 years old when they leave Egypt. For 40 years, she was Mizana, and she was the queen of all the, of all the prostitutes. When the spies came to her, she said, listen to this, she said, I use three objects to sin. May I be forgiven through my using these three objects properly. She was doing tshuva and she was being metakane on those three objects. What were they? Her house was built into the wall of the city, a location that enabled her to attract clients. So she had used the rope to bring them in through the window, okay? And she would hide them in the flax when necessary. So what she did was, she was being metakane, what she had done, and this is from the, the Mechilta. She was saving these two spies by bringing them to the roof, 
with the string with the with the rope right and by using the window to get out up to the roof and she was covering the people the two spies with the flax that she had used for bad purpose before because what she was trying to do was to be metaking everything that she did that was wrong which is what we're supposed to do you know there's there's such an idea i i, I mentioned this a few times so we'll just we'll just repeat it i said this last week actually the uh Reb nachman once said that when you have to travel to a faraway city on business you shouldn't be upset because if you weren't going for business, you would be going with your hands in chains and your feet in chains. Okay, keep that in your head. My brother, I told this story over, but I'll just repeat it again. My brother, uh, my, my, my Yoni, who's two years younger than me, was making wigs in South Korea. And he went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe for a bracha. This is like 30 years ago. And the rabbi said to him, when you're in South Korea, do a mitzvah. Special, do some special mitzvah. All right. So in my mind, in all of our minds, the rabbi was telling him, you go and do a mitzvah, you know, mitzvah, and you know, do some mitzvahs. Okay. He goes there, and then we and then I and he does he does a certain mitzvah there. And then I find out about this pshat. What's the pshat? Rabbi Nachman was saying that my brother had to go to Korea to, let's say, make a bracha on some water for the, from the Ganges River, okay? He had to go there to see somebody, to say hello to some guy. He had to go there in order to David Shema, you know, in South Korea. That, for whatever reason, to pick up, to elevate the Nitsutsim over there, the holy sparks that were there, to do some tikkun. He had to go there. Now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands. Nobody is going on a trip to South Korea on a vacation. You never met anybody that was going to Seoul to just to travel, right? Nobody does that. So how's he going to get there? How's he going to get there? So Hashem makes it that he has a business that he has to go there, okay? Rav Nachman was saying that be happy that you're going there on this, on this business, even though you're leaving your wife and your family and you're going on Northwest Orient for 24 hours and such a pain in the neck, but just be happy you're going there this way because otherwise you're going to get there one way or the other. One way or the other, you're going to get to this location because your neshama needs that to be uplifted, okay? The Lavish Rebbe was saying the same thing. You're going to South Korea. You got to do some mitzvah. That's why you're going. You think you're going on your business, but you're really going because you need to do some kind of mitzvah to do tikkun for your neshama. That's why we travel. That's why we go places. I don't know what was going on in this building over here, but this specific location, obviously, Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted a shul desmedrish to be over here. Doesn't just happen. The Gemara in Avodah says that when when Adam Harishon looked around at the whole world, he decided which locations would be Yeshuvim for Jewish people. Nothing just happens. So when 
So when, what's her name? When, when Rachav, when Rachav says that I spent my entire life doing what would be universally perceived as being bad, right? Being a prostitute, no, there's no culture in the world that says that that's a glorified profession. Nobody, no matter where you are, that it's looked down upon, right? Even if you're in the middle of Ethiopia, your mother-in-law is not proud of it. Nobody is proud of that job, but that's what she did. So what is she trying to do? She's trying to metakin it. And that's what we do with our whole lives. We're trying to bring tikkun to everything that we do. And in turn, she wanted Mida Keneged Mida, that the Jewish people should treat her nicely and properly, which is the Mida of the Jewish people. And that's what happened. So that's what Perak Bez is all about, about how she lets, how she goes, brings them in, saves them, the Jewish people. We promise her that we'll take care of you if you take care of us, because we're very straight people. We're not gonna. We're not gonna screw her over. If she's if she's good to us, then we'll be good to her. And I really appreciate you guys came tonight. It's cold outside. I hope you enjoyed this. And now you know about that famous line. I don't have enough crazy people. You know, I have them all. I have them all. So don't give me any more. You know. And next time. Next time, go to your rabbi when he makes you crazy. You don't have enough nuts? Thank you very much. Next week, we'll do the third parrot. Third parrot begins the battles. The Jewish people go over the Jordan River and begin.